Hello, all, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And here we are, our first podcast with video. We're super yeah, excited we are. and My curious. brain is kind of split in half here. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm doing uh, audio and also got a little video action going, but it's super exciting. We're going to uh, you know, start putting clips out on different social media sources, we're going to put it out on our YouTube channel, and it's going to be really like another way to sort of get out there and and get the word out. Yeah, I know. It's really exciting. And I was complaining a little because I usually go right to the gym right before our podcast because we have to be here at a certain time in the morning. And so now I have to put makeup on before I go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe sometimes I don't have to do that all the time. I'm going sans makeup. I'm not doing any sans makeup. makeup yeah. All right, so T, maybe you could introduce our episode today. Oh, absolutely. So we feel very grateful to have a guest speaker with us today who's also an amazing therapist here at our center, and his name is Gabe Lobato. And he is going to be, well, I'm going to actually maybe ask you, Gabe, what, how would you like to introduce your topic today? Because this was your idea, and we loved it, and we can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, so the topic revolves around emotional insecurity, what that looks like in your relationship, how that really just erodes away at, at feeling safe, feeling loved by your partner, and really just kind of puts a, a little bit of historical context as to how that even developed and how that even shows up. Yeah. It's kind of a, a flip from what we talked about a few weeks ago. We talked about emotional safety, right? And that's what we're that's what we're trying to build in our relationship. And I think this is a great thing because this is what we're taking couples out of, you know, when they start working at it. You know, they're in that place of feeling super, super insecure in their relationship. And I think one important thing for our listeners to hear is building emotional safety. It's a delicate process. It's not easy. There's a lot of like intricacies that go with it. And so you are consistently hearing that term from us, emotional safety, because we truly know what it's like when you build emotional safety in your relationship and the freedom that that brings. And so anytime we can have a guest speaker or just share our own experiences of what emotional safety really does and how to build it, because again, it's not there's not just one answer to it. We're doing our heart's desire, right? Is which is letting we all suffer. Life is stressful, but when we can suffer together with our intimate partner instead of defend ourselves, that is true intimacy yeah, to me. Absolutely. I mean, so Gabe, maybe like the first thing is just tell us why. Like you, because you brought this topic to us. You were like, hey, this is something I really want to want to explore. What's important about it? So as we do couples counseling here, oftentimes I quickly figure out during the consult, that initial consult when we get to meet the couple before we actually start therapy, and I'm just watching them, listening to them, to their story, watching how they interact with each other. And more often than not, the style of interaction that they have really quickly shows up. And what it looks like is, is bickering, fighting, just not being able to agree on anything. And many times they'll ask me, like, are we fixable? Are we beyond repair? Yeah. And they feel like bad people. Yeah. And I've got to reframe for them, like, what's really going on there. 
Yeah. I think what you said there is like, is such a through line when you see couples come in, is they're like, they look at you, especially in those first couple sessions and they're like, can we even, you know, are we like irreparable? And that's like exactly cutting at what you're, what you're talking about is they're like absolutely insecure that their relationship even has a chance that it's, that it's fixable. Some of the most difficult couples that I've worked with, even into third, fourth, fifth session, they're still asking me some version of that same question. One of the things that makes couples feel somewhat like normal and that there is hope is that this happens to so many couples. And then us as clinicians or couples counselors can come in and say like, listen, this is like 80% of our couples that show up here feel broken, feel like, is there something wrong with us? But we know once we get you through whatever this process, this journey is, there is a high percentage of couples that feel so much more connected than they ever thought. You just have to trust, right? You're here for a reason. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to heal in this way together. I'll share with you an example. There was a couple that I was just doing um, earlier this week, and it was probably one, one of the more intense dynamics that I've ever seen with a couple. And we're only in like session two or three, and I pulled, I had to pull a tool out that's way later in our content that we use right now at this stage because their their dynamic is, I call it this negative cycle that they go into. And as I was walking them through what we call a cognitive restructuring technique, just to be able to change or give them a new experience on communicating to each other safely, I'm walking the wife through statement by statement through this through these steps. And one of the times the husband responds in this defensive way, because I'm guiding the husband how to validate what he's hearing, mm. and he responds in this defensive way, and I had to pause him. And I said, hey, you apparently heard something totally different, but let me normalize or clarify like what's going on. We have a lens by how we see and respond to things, but I believe we also have hearing aids that distort the things that we hear from our spouse. <laughs> and I had to pause them in that moment and say, hey, me as the third party watching, it's apparent that you had this overreaction to what you just heard and it wasn't even accurate. I think there's like this like major insecurity that we can deal with difficult moments in a positive, loving way. I mean, I, I have the same thing with a couple I'm working with right now. And, you know, they've been together a long time and you can just see it in their eyes that like anytime we approach anything that's just like slightly complex, they're just like, we can't do this. We, we, we don't know how to do this. This never, ever feels good to discuss difficult content. And that's like super hard if you're in a relationship and because you want your partner to be your, you know, that person who creates that safety. Right. You know, Tara talks about that all the time. Like you want your partner to create this atmosphere where you just feel like you can sort of like bleed out in front of them and they're going to they're gonna help you. And when you don't feel that, it is a super insecure feeling in your relationship and it's a super insecure feeling like in your internal body as yourself. I feel like this is a good segue into kind of setting this up for like structure around what you wanted to present today because I know you really wanted to go into like why it happens, the historical piece of it. Um, so maybe, do you want to kind of start there? Yeah, so the from the historic piece, what happens in the present moment, the couple is fighting, 
they're arguing, they're bickering, and and oftentimes there's there's no common theme amongst all those disagreements. It's just miscellaneous type of of disagreements that they experience. And in that moment, as they're disagreeing or arguing with their spouse, they're solely focused on the present, and they keep registering their partner as the enemy, but they don't realize the historical context of when they started developing those feelings of insecurity that begin in childhood and progress through adolescence and teenage and what happens at home with their parents. Exactly. So what I'm hearing is automatic thoughts, feelings, behaviors erupt during these difficult times. And most of us don't have the tools to recognize like, oh gosh, these are automatic thoughts, feelings, behaviors. I have to go deeper. And so then it creates this repetitive pattern. And the more it happens and the more it repeats itself, the more it reinforces the already automatic pattern that's happening. And then our defenses keep building and building and building and building and building. That's why in the beginning, I think of relationships, it's like, okay, like, yeah, we're having this fight, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward three years later, same fight, not going anywhere, but now it feels not sustainable. Like where before it didn't like end up in like, oh my gosh, we shouldn't even be together anymore. That the repetitive conflict because of the reinforcing of all the negative beliefs from our stuff actually takes prominent hold and really destabilizes a couple. And if they're not really careful and get the help to understand what's happening at a deeper level, it is not sustainable. Yeah. And I think that's where all that like insecurity and loss of hope happens because they get caught into this pattern where they're always trying to solve the problem that's like right in front of them. You know, the one thing that triggered that incident when in reality, the metaphor I use, it's this combination of like all the baggage one person brought in, all the baggage the other person brought into the relationship, then all the baggage that they've created together. And it creates this like repetitive like really unsatisfying process that creates absolutely no resolution and they become completely insecure in their ability to stay connected in difficult moments and their ability to solve any problems, which is, you know, just like really frustrating as all get out. I had another couple earlier this week, I think it was the first session and the husband expressed to me, he said, no offense to you, meaning to me, but I really don't even feel like we even need to be here if she could just do this, this, and this, (laughs) or if we can just like overcome it. So then I said, hey, no offense taken. Like that, that comment doesn't bother me, but like, let's really think about this. You know, what's the definition of insanity? You're doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different Mm -hmm. results. How long have you guys literally been banging your head against the wall expecting a different outcome? And so you're at the stage here where like I'm here to help you guys walk through and break down these old habits, these old patterns so that we can discover new ways of interrelating with each other. And that's like the biggest shift I wanna help a couple understand is if I'm sitting over here and I'm looking at Tara and I'm just like, hey, if you just do A, B, and C, (laughs) then it's all gonna be good, right? You know, it's that idea that like, we as humans, we observe everything from our nose forward. And so we see like, hey, if I manipulate what's in front of me, you know, if I move this out of the way, then I have a clear path, Mm. then everything's going to be okay. But that's just like, it's a fallacy. It's not. And if we help them, you know, in this process, hold 
automatically, instead of looking forward and saying, Terry, you got to do this, this, and this, I look inward and be like, what's happening for me? me? Then I got a chance to actually change the situation. But if I'm here like trying to, you know, chess piece Tara around and get her to move so I can get to the solving of the problem, I'll tell you, first of all, she doesn't like that very much. Well, that, and then where in the heck is the opportunity to build emotional safety? I'm going to constantly be like, oh, I guess I'm not good enough. I, I gotta, I'm not doing this right. I've got to change. He wants me to be a different way. You know, and it's, there's this term that Tara Brock uses, and I just love her, and it's called othering, right? And that in moments of suffering, we blame and project outwardly because it's hard to look internally and really be with these uncomfortable moments. And so a lot of couples do othering. They blame, they project, and it might feel good in the moment because it's like instant gratification for your soul somewhat, but ultimately it creates a lot of erosion. I love that term that you used, Gabe, within the relationship. And then when we can U-turn it, again, another term that Tara Brock uses, back to ourselves, we're like, how is what's actually happening for me, it helps us create the space for our partner to be who they need to be, figure their stuff out. For us to figure our stuff out, there's the space that builds emotional safety. And I really like, I think Gabe's gonna bring in some metaphors that he uses around this because I feel like it's really, it's gonna really help individuals and couples understand what it kind of looks like when it's not there, but what it might look like when you have built that bank account of emotional safety. I'll kind of lead with that. <laughs> Thanks. So there's this analogy that I developed uh, some months ago, and I, I like using this uh, with couples like really early on, whether it's in the consult or I'll remind them within a couple of sessions of this analogy. Mm. And this analogy starts off as, imagine this past week that your tire blew out in your car, your engine for your car has to go into the mechanic, you have no idea what it's going to cost, your fridge goes out, and your dryer goes out. Now, let's say you literally only have $200 to your name, and that's it. Imagine what that must feel like. That feels super insecure financially, right? And not only does that feel incredibly insecure, but now every other thing going on around your life, they're going to feel it. Other people around you are going to feel it. And, and so it feels so destabilizing under that kind of scenario. So then I changed the scenario to let's say all those same things happen in the same given week, but this time you've got $25,000 in the bank. What does that feel like now? Right? So I ask them and I get them to, to talk about that. And it's like, okay, yeah, they're now irritants now. Well, why are they irritants instead of big, crazy catastrophe now? Well, because you had plenty of money in the bank to be able to absorb those expenses, those unexpected events. So then how I relate that to them is I tell them, I say, you have an emotional bank account inside and you have an emotional bank account inside. And that emotional bank account, when I see you guys constantly fighting, constantly bickering. There's no theme. It's just miscellaneous, whatever. That's a reflection of your emotional bank account running at or near zero. It has that same feeling of insecurity as when your bank account is at or near zero. Well, and it's a complicated system of accounts in a relationship because it's like you have your individual account, Tara has her individual account, you have 
sort of your relationship individual account. And it's like, they're all like lending and taking and somebody's short and the other person is, you know, not wanting to give anything out of theirs because they're feeling depleted and it gets super confusing. I mean, I can, if it's okay, Tara, I mean, I can share something positive going on in our relationship that directly relates to what Gabe just said. Okay. In that for a long time in our relationship, you really wanted me to to be more affectionate. And I had a really hard time, like even like I thought I was, I thought I was being affectionate. I was extremely defensive about that. And for whatever reasons in my own work, I, I think I've gotten to a place more recently where I'm more consistently affectionate with you, right? And what that's done then, and this is how like, you know, kind of just has trickled around is like you now are just responding to me in a lot of the ways that I wanted you to respond to me back when I wasn't filling your bank account. And then the what Gabe said with the the flat tires or the, you know, the plumbing goes out or or whatever, like those things in the last couple of weeks, when we've faced those moments that before might have destabilized us and pulled us apart, I'm less reactive. Like I'm more able to not go into those quick autonomic responses, those those negative core beliefs, because our bank accounts are more full than they've been in the past. I mean, is, is that, do you feel the same way? I do feel the same way. And I mean, I just, to me, the first thing that I'm thinking of is like, gosh, what we do is working. <laughs> it's really working. So we are not just full of shit. <laughs> we are not imposters here. <laughs> we all have a lot of imposter syndromes, but no, and I just think like before when we didn't really understand the complexities of our stuff and our stuff in a relationship and emotional safety, like, and that we were just caught in that defense. I mean, I remember I'd be like, oh, I, I just want you to like hug me a little bit more. And you'd be like, well, I, I hugged you yesterday. I came, like you just, <laughs> you had all of these Let me pull moments. out the balance sheet really quick. And I'm thinking, well, but it, I'm feeling this way. So maybe you did hug me twice yesterday but I think maybe then I need more, but the way we were going about it, just it, it just kept us like in this state of conflict and like where my needs weren't important or then I was afraid to say my needs because then you would think that you're not like doing enough. And, and I knew that you'd go right into like, no, I am doing enough. Let me tell you why A, B, and C has happened. And again, now that we've kind of really like done a U-turn and looked at our stuff and why is this so triggering for me, it really has built this more, I mean, and we already had a deep loving connection. We got through a lot, but the way we're getting through things now is because we keep every week, every day building our emotional bank account and it's, it's getting full. Right. And so it's like, okay, bring it on universe, whatever you want to bring on, will be gentle to us for the next month or so, but we can handle it. So Gabe, so when you start helping first couples understand just this concept, then because couples out there want to know, like, okay, like, how do I even, how do I make this U-turn? Like, how do I change this habit? Well, and what's funny is I was hearing your guys share your story. I wanted to take that analogy and, like, back up, like, even a half step mm. based on what you guys were talking about. Because I've interacted with, especially husbands, where husbands get in this this stuck mindset where they're, they feel like they're literally playing whack-a-mole with activities across the board at mm -hmm. house. They feel like, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And there's no recognition. There's no like, like why doesn't this count? Why is my wife still complaining that, mm -hmm. that 
I'm not doing enough and I'm just like going crazy here. And so the concept is, what is it that really matters? How do you get into to being able to make an, an emotional deposit into your spouse's bank account? And so there were two concepts that uh, I wanted to share or talk about. One of them was the emotional wheel that we use here with couples. With the emotional wheel, what we do with them is, you know, couples, when they check in with each other throughout the day or, or once a day, they say, hey, so how are you doing? How's your day? I'm good. I'm fine. Meh. You know, this, this, and this happened. It's super cerebral. Like they're just, they're stuck in their head, just stuck in their thoughts, pure fact-based. It's like a reporter kind of talk and then they move on, but there's no emotional connection. But without emotional will, that exercise, we go straight to step number one is to teach them how to identify their emotions to each other and then how to build off that backwards into the facts. Yeah, and I mean, what what I see there is like, you're not going at the problems at first, you know, in the very early time of changing your relationship with your partner. And this isn't just in therapy. I mean, this is something that I, that that you can do out there like today, right? Is that like, you don't go right at the biggest problem, you know? Yeah. And that's what couples, when they come into therapy, sometimes they're like, well, well, our intimacy is totally offline and they wanna talk about that or like there was a betrayal or this. You know, what you're talking about is like, you try to build like small roads yes. back between the two people. And the first small road yes. is just like, hey, today, this is how I'm feeling. And I'm gonna think about it because some people like have struggled to even like know what they're feeling and I'm gonna try to build a vocabulary for it. And then the other person we're teaching them like, and I'm gonna try to be receptive. I'm gonna try to just listen. And we're like, hey, do this check-in every day and don't, it's not a 40 minute check-in because in 40 minutes you'll get into an argument. But if you can take 90 seconds or three minutes report how, hey, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, a little scared, but I'm also like, man, I can't, thank God it's Friday. Like, I'm so relieved it's Friday at the same time. I heard you. Okay, this is how I'm feeling. Like, that's just like this small road that you're like, okay, we're reconnecting a little bit. It's, it's literally the very first tool that we give them as we're coming into the relationship program. But what, what's the most common thing that we hear about from relationships between their spouses. We, we hear about the wife telling the husband about this conflict or this struggle. And what does the husband typically do? Well, you should do this, this, and this. And that's not the thing that the wife is looking for, right? Like she's looking for validation. Mm -hmm. And so this step by teaching them the emotional circle that, that we work through in session and getting them to practice this daily or regularly in their relationship, it gets them out of that mindset. Like yes. you're not there to solve their problem. Yeah. This teaches you how to be able to express emotions, be able to validate it, and then be able to give a little meaning to it. Yeah. There's always a problem solver in the relationship. There's always like one person who's <laughs> like, well, yeah. it's an engineering problem. It's like, well, if we cut off this tributary and we move over here and then do this, we could just solve this problem. And maybe I was a little sexist when I referred to <laughs> men, right? But I mean, it can go either sex. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. so what is the second thing that you do, Gabe? The first thing I'm hearing is really for just for building attunement, right? Attunement of like each other's emotional landscapes. 
you know, you kind of start with the feelings wheel and it's something that we do in every session to help them build that feelings vocabulary and understand that all feelings are okay and everyone's entitled to their own feelings and it's not about you. Um, and then, and then kind of what's your second thing that you do? Do you want to do a quick demonstration Absolutely. without emotion? Well, so, oh, sure. so I'm going to do this right. with Tara. I'm going to oh, say, I love right. this. This is um, on the spot. <laughs> so Tara, so tell me two or three words of what you're feeling right now in this moment. Right now I feel grateful. I feel curious. And I feel, I guess the word is amazed. So tell me about grateful. What is it that you're feeling grateful about? I think like sitting here listening to all of us and our own unique perspectives and the healing that we have done for ourselves and our relationships and for so many others, just like, A, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And B, that I'm just so grateful to have created a center with beautiful humans around me that really care about our own, you know, our own healthy development and also giving our hearts to others to help them have healthy development. So that is the grateful. So that's really amazing. What I hear is the opportunity that you have to, while you do a thousand other tasks on any given day, this moment, you get to experience joy and pleasure that really resonates inside. Like you feel good about what it is that you're doing today. And, and that's basically the back and forth that we start with. Some people, it can take two, three minutes. I remember a couple telling me that it organically turned into a 40-minute conversation for wow. them. And can I, can I break down what just happened a little bit so people can like really know the structure that Gabe's like trying to help, help couples find, right? AJ, you're such a therapist. It's okay. So, so he started with the, you know, Hey, we, here's the format people. Like here's, here's what you do. You, you check in with your partner, you tell them how you're feeling. So Tara had to reflect. She had to find the words that, you know, will help him understand what she's feeling then he was curious and that's a huge skill we try to teach people to be is like curious he's curious with with her about like hey there's one thing i'd like to hear more about that tell me more then notice the big thing is he doesn't editorialize he doesn't guess why she's feeling that way or or negate her feelings he merely asks like hey you're feeling this. Can you tell me more about it? Then that allowed Tara then to open up more deeply to him. And then what he did, and then he validated. He he basically did the drive-through voice. Yes. Of he basically was like, you know, you want a, a Big Mac and and fries? I want a Big Mac and fries. Oh, you want a Big Mac and fries? And so you know, he just literally repeated what she said to let her know that she was heard. And I have literally seen couples where a partner breaks down mm. when their partner finally says, oh, you feel this, this, and this, and just repeats what they said instead of editorializing, yes. instead of shutting them down. And that process right there, that is emotional connection, right? I, I remember working with a couple one time and the husband worked, the wife did not. And I was guiding them through doing this check-in and and the wife said something like, I don't know. His job is just so boring. Like, like there's nothing interesting about it. And I literally told her, I said, 
you do not have to give a crap about his job specifically, but it's learning how to develop care and curiosity and interest in your spouse and how to express that and show that you care about your spouse. You literally don't have to care about what their job is. But when when you're in that place of insecurity in your relationship, it's almost like it's a risk to care. Like it's a risk to yeah. to be curious about something you don't you, you're not as engaged in because it, it's a risk to let the person know that you that you're curious about their life because you're like whoa I'm so my bank account back to that my bank account is so depleted that I am not giving you a red penny <laughs> you know I'm not I'm not going to do that and that's I mean that's a huge obstacle we have to help couples. Well, even with. even think about risk. You said that word and it stirred a thought in my mind which is when a couple goes into an argument and it triggers these like deepest negative core beliefs mm. that are causing them to feel insecure in the moment and many times one of the individuals will respond with anger. And think about anger. I mean anger oftentimes is just a superficial emotion that's covering up that insecurity that they feel inside. And so they don't want to risk, they'd rather protect themselves, just self-preservation because that uncomfortable, Mm. insecure feeling inside, like that's too unsafe. Like it's too uncomfortable to actually have to go down, experience and actually express to their spouse. There's, you know, I was listening to this podcast, of course, Tara Brock, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) And one of the things she says, it's, uh, I think it was the navigating conflict part one, is that anger is initiatory. It is not transformative. Wow. That that it will initiate and it can initiate our growth. But when we stay with anger, it does not transform. It keeps us stuck. So we help couples, we help individuals take that anger because it initiates growth. Like anger is a smart emotion. It's giving us some intuitive sense like something is wrong here. But if we just don't go under what that is, we stay stuck and that's when it becomes toxic or unhealthy. Yeah. But if you don't have a process of getting out of the anger and one one of the sort of metaphors I use is like, well, if you dusted your anger away and you looked at what was underneath it, what would it be? But if you don't do that, if you just stay in the anger, it starts to, you know, it's like it's like being stuck in the mud and Absolutely. just revving your 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 truck, you know, and just like digging deeper and deeper and deeper in. So, Gabe, so you you were kind of like I know that you had two specific things you wanted to talk about today, and I know that you started with the feelings wheel, the emotions wheel, and again helping couples attune and get to know that emotional landscape. And then where do you kind of go? So the next one that I like to talk about is uh, I'll bring it in organically when it's appropriate within our content. And it's about the five love languages. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard or read that book, have done the test, Mm -hmm. you know, and identified five love languages. But the reason why I go here is because I've experienced individuals and I'm going to speak from a male perspective. I can't speak for women. But I've seen men where they feel like they're literally playing whack-a-mole, doing all these activities. I took out the trash. I cleaned the dishes. I picked up my socks, right? These little quirky things, right? And they're expecting, you know, all these things to actually matter. And it kind of reminds me of the song that goes, I can't get no (laughs) satisfaction, right? And, And they don't feel the satisfaction. They don't feel the affirmation or the appreciation of 
all their work that they do of all these tasks. But what they don't realize is that none of those things are really resonating as a true deposit in their spouse's emotional love tank. Exactly. So that's where the five love languages concept comes in. And the author had developed this theory, created five broad categories of Mm -hmm. a love language. And the reason why this is so important, because one of the primary bases for this theory is that me, if my primary love language is touch, that's the love language that I prefer to give to my spouse. But oftentimes, my spouse's love language isn't the same as mine. And so it's super vital to be able to understand what your spouse's love language is, because if I'm like, for example, mine is touch, my wife's isn't, and I'm constantly touching, that's like putting in, I'm investing $1, but getting like negative 25 cents in return from my spouse, <laughs> right? Like that, yeah. And so I need to do or adapt to her love language. And for my spouse, it would be quality time. And so eventually quality time grew on me and it became one of the more natural things to do because it's necessary to be able to make those significant deposits in her emotional bank account. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is like, you nailed it on the head there is just like, we got to figure out the way in which our partners want to receive love. And also why might that be an area that's very difficult for you? You know, and I think a lot of times that is like kind of what gobs it up is sometimes what our partner prefers might be our challenge, you know? And then if we can sort of, again, engage with each other around like, I hear that words of affirmation are something that that you really seek. And gosh, I got to tell you, I grew up in a household where right. like, I didn't receive that. I don't even know what that is. Like, like, I don't do it to myself. And so giving you positive feedback is not that I don't want to, but I just, it's hard for me. And then- It's not intuitive. And then you're in it together and your partner starts to realize that you're not. Because I think what happens yeah. is the partner starts to believe that you are intentionally withholding what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it reminds me, everything you just said was one of the biggest significant things for my wife was thoughtfulness. And if we- translate that into into love languages, it it would be gifts. And so like if I would be at the store and I'd pick up like a sweet yummy for myself and I wasn't grabbing anything for my wife, well, that was like totally inconsiderate, total like not being thoughtful, but that was a demonstration of an act of, of gift, of a gift being thoughtful. And so because it reminded me growing up in home, like in my home, I don't remember considerate or thoughtful gifts. And so that makes me realize, wow, why that's not the most natural thing for me. Yeah. And attunement, right? I mean, because that's something that jumped out of me when you were talking about that is having that level of attunement of like, oh, my partner likes when I think of her and then I, I let her know in some way that I'm thinking of her. And then, so then you related it back to being a kid of like, man, if I wanted something, I had to just get it myself. And what am I doing? I'm at the grocery store. I'm getting myself something because I want something sweet and feel good. And so (laughs) so it's like, I didn't, I just didn't have that level of awareness. So how do we get on the same page and work towards doing that for each other consistently? And and I think what are the fruits of this labor? Like Gabe, what have you, what have you seen? Well, definitely because Here's the concept, like I back out from a global perspective when I talk about this or I think about this, is that security has a way of showing up interrelationally with our partner, 
But security has a way of really revealing itself when we have these external stressors outside of our home, right? And so when I think about if I can feel secure with my wife, then I've got a greater buffer inside my emotional uh, love tank, just like when that analogy with money in the bank, you have enough money to be able to absorb those unexpected. I have enough emotional security to feel okay when I'm encountering these stressors or when I have an abnormal amount of stressors out here, I feel myself like being drawn to my wife and needing some affirmation or some security reassurance, if you will. But for me, I've, I've developed just this strong recognition and sensitivity to always know, how do I know I'm secure in my relationship? And mm-hmm. one of the things that really shows up is if I call her and I could just hear it in my tone or the pet name we use for each other when we make contact or, or just how I sound when I call her. And even that is like symbolic of how secure and how drawn and attached I am to my wife. What I experience for us and also what I'm hearing in, with Gabe is a sense of trust starts to build that no matter what, no matter what life gives us, our relationship, our family, our whatever it is, like we will be okay, that we have security and trust, that we can do this, resilience, whatever word you want to use. Yeah, it's that movement from insecure to secure attachment. Oh, This huge. relationship oh, yeah. is secure. We can go through a difficult time. One of us can slip and not be our best selves and, and we're gonna do it. And all of these systems that we talked about and this awareness we talked about is just a new pathway. And what couples have to realize, and we've talked about this a bunch in the last few episodes, is this, this is a slow change, that you have to be patient for it that it takes time, but when you do it, it just becomes the new normal. You know, it becomes a new way of doing it and you get better and better at holding each other accountable and really caring and loving and patient ways. Mm. And eventually, you know, you create a lifestyle of relationship wellness. And that I think is our sort of one, what's developing into our bottom line here is that like we need to help couples. Couples need to have a lifestyle of relationship wellness. And it takes learning the tools to do it. It does not come naturally. It is not in our biological makeup. It is not. It is not. So I would like to just do an appreciation for you, Gabe, because not only, you know, are you following your heart's desire in being compelled by the work that you do with couples, but you are you are leading so many people to this secure place through your own heart, really. And it's just been an amazing podcast here with you today. And I know that we will have many more on there, but just that I really appreciate your wisdom and your heart and your ability to, I think, really make couples feel safe very quickly when they come in feeling very scared and terrified. And that is just like a huge piece of like who you are as a therapist. So I appreciate that. I, I think for me, it's really feeling like I'm in the place in this time and season of my life to be able to do something that I really enjoy and having this self-awareness of my own personal story and what it led me through, the struggles that I encountered in my marriage and my personal struggles, 
learning how to overcome them and just feeling so adamant and so passionate to be able to help others walk them through those same transformative processes, if you will. Well, thank you so much, Gabe. It's uh, always fun, nice stimulating conversations, and it's uh, it's just a pleasure to, to be working with you. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. All right, so thank you everybody out there for listening. Please, you know, please just tell a person or two about this podcast. You know, I mean, I mean, so many people are in a place in their relationship where they where they do feel stuck or, or maybe they just want it to be a little bit different. So, you know, tell a friend, tell a family member, uh, reach out to us anytime, uh, info at relationshiprenovation.com. If you have any ideas, things you want us to talk about, mm-hmm. people you'd like us to interview, uh, we appreciate you all listening. And yes, I just would like to end it with, we all deserve love and acceptance. So take care of yourself and and take care of each other and sprinkle joy every day in your relationship. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the same. Me and you have all the fame we need. Indeed, you and me are we. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.